3: Oh, a microphone and a phony at the mic. This is the Bob and Jeff Show, starring Bob Lutz. I wish I could be in the living room of somebody who's listening to this show. Jeff Lutz. You think they're listening in their living room? Maybe. It's not 1943. It's a strange world. 97.5 in 1240 KFH. Stand by for action. Hello everybody, welcome. It's a Thursday edition, the Bob and Jeff Show on KFH. Bob Lutz, Jeff Lutz co-hosting, Max Power producing, engineering. We are at 869-1240, the IHOP hotline. One week from tonight, we'll do our fantasy football draft. We now have, I believe, seven participants in need of three more. Uh, So if you're interested, give me a holler. Uh, You can email me. Uh Bob at KFH radio dot com. I think that's the correct email. Uh or you can email me league forty two Wichita gmail dot com. I know that one, uh for sure. Uh what's up? Your uh Guardians have already well they haven't dropped the game yet, they're in a rain delay.
0: Of course. We you never know what could happen in that bottom of the ninth.
3: Uh one game one of that series. What happened to Kershaw? He only went an inning or two. I guess he went two. It was suspended last night. Oh, they picked it up today. Yes. Okay. And you're uh, supposedly playing game two uh, after the finish, the completion of game one. Uh, You you did win the first game of that series, so congratulations. Impressive
0: team victory that was. Uh, It's kind of gives you hope for the future, Uh, but also the next day they come out and don't show up, so... It's that's just the guardian season. You see some glimmers. You see some spots where you might say, "Hey, this it could be a a year or two long uh, window that we could have open soon." But
3: speaking of impressive, Cole Reagans last night with a very impressive outing, albeit against Oakland. Uh, six hits or six innings, two hits, eleven strikeouts, and he's been really good since they got him from the Texas Rangers in the Aroldis Chapman trade. You add Bobby Witt to that mix, and I suppose at least Royals fans can look toward next year with some hint of optimism, although why? Why, why would they?
0: Well, because you thought. made
3: out fantastic in, in two of the uh,
0: deadline trades that you had to make, one with the Cubs, which was a looked like a pretty minor deal. You uh, get a, get a middle-of-the-order bat. You get a potential— but Not sold on—
3: on that middle of the order, you
0: well, he, may not be sold, but he's hitting in the middle of the
3: order and he's producing. Uh, so it's easy to produce when you got nothing. You know what I'm saying? No, I don't actually. It's easy to produce when there are no expectations. You're just you're, you're a terrible ball club. And so is that are you saying? Bobby me, Witt? If you're telling me Nelson Velasquez is going to be a guy, I'll probably push back on that to some degree. He's hitting two thirty four. What's his OPS? Uh, 279 on base. Now he does have a high slug because he's hit some home runs. But I I am sorry that if he if he's your thought that uh, that's gonna be a guy that helps put the Royals back in contention, I, I'm I'm not buying it. Not
0: buying it. Help put them in contention. I'm saying they made two good trades and that uh, fans should be pretty uh encouraged at least by some of the moves the front office has made. Uh, they should be pretty encouraged that maybe you can try that same thing again next year by signing veterans to one-year contracts and hoping to flip them.
3: Nelson, Vel- Nelson Velasquez uh, has four homers, five RBIs, and 11 games. Uh, give, give me a break. That's all. He's hit the, he's, He can hit the home run ball. He's a big, strong guy.
0: Right. He's got a near 600 slugging percentage. Yes, he
3: does. He's had a few home runs. Well, then hit him seventh in the lineup next year, and he won't start next year. Why not? Not good enough. Uh, we'll see. You may be right. I'm I'm saying you can't bank on him. I'm not saying he's gonna. He's he's a foundation. Richie foundational... has a better chance uh, of starting.
0: You don't know. Come on.
3: He looks good to me. He's. Man, I know two it's games. a very small sample size, but he doesn't look he's overwhelmed. Got that swing that just he's looks got terrible. Uphill
0: swing for a little guy. It's just not going to work out. So, he got good speed. I like. He doesn't.
3: It. Yeah, he does. He can't run. Of course, he can. No. Beat out an infield hit yesterday. I think they said he got down the line three point something.
0: Three. Well, he should be out uh, running uh, for the U.S. 100 meter team.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 impressed so far. I'm not impressed with the injury to Shohei Otani. I can't imagine a, an organization more snake-bitten uh, than the Los Angeles Angels. And Mike Trout played in one game, said he doesn't feel right. Who knows where they're, where he's headed. He's on the DL again. It's awful. It's just awful. It's, it's depressing, as Jim Rohn was talking about. He used the word depressing, and it is for any baseball fan. Because here's a once-in-a-lifetime player who now looks like he potentially could need his second Tommy John surgery. Uh, that will set him back. He will lose money and free agency because of it. Uh, I, I just feel terrible for the guy. Well, it's not good. And I don't know
0: how much the uh, combined workload has to do with something like that. He's, he's not even at his uh, career high in innings, which he had last year at about 160. I think he's throwing like 130-something this year. Uh, but, yeah, that's the worst possible timing for something like that to happen as he goes into free agency. Now you could be looking at an incentive-laced contract as far as pitching performances go.
3: Well, remember, he's still an outfielder. So do you, we often forget about that. Well, he's not going to be if he has Tommy John. Then he'll just be no, a DH. No, he's, he's, he's going to be a DH, but he could come back potentially, even if he's not going to pitch. Uh, even uh, beyond the Tommy John surgery, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want him to pitch. I think he's pretty much locked into being a DH. Oh, he could play the outfield in twenty twenty five, but would you want him to? Sure, I wouldn't. Why? Well, His if... arm will be fine. Just have him hit. You want more value than just a DH? I don't know that you pay a DH four hundred million.
0: Well, you're not. He's he... not going to get four hundred million.
3: Well, that's what Jeff Passan said. He's going to get five hundred million. He doesn't think this scares off teams whatsoever.
0: Well, uh, so that's we'll crazy. see. But
3: uh, he's he's more in the know than I am, I guess. Thank you for admitting. it. it, it. Seems... Oh, you had to throw in the I guess. Well, just is Jeff Passan more in the know than you are? He's he might be more in the know, but
0: that also might cloud his common sense. Also,
3: well, I, uh, I presume he talks to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, but let's be real. I mean. It... <sighs>
3: Shohei Otani has far greater value than just his presence on the field. Uh, Being a Japanese player, he has all that value. And the people in Japan who buy up his merchandise and pay whatever it takes to to see him and to to be a part of his uh, universe. So there's great appeal for Shohei Otani beyond what he does on the field. And what he does on the field is extremely valuable even if he doesn't pitch for a year. Yeah, well if he doesn't pitch
0: for a year, I don't know. I mean, two Tommy John surgeries, I'm just gonna say the guy's gonna be back better than ever, uh, in twenty twenty five. That's a hard gamble to make and it's a hard
3: Well even uh, if he's not decision. he could play I mean. the outfield.
0: Well I wouldn't want him to play the
3: outfield. He hasn't a, when is the last time he even played the outfield? He's played the outfield. He's a he's a very good outfielder, very fast center fielder in fact. So I mean, he's got value. He's got a lots, lots of different values for Shohei. Not really. He's got he's got hitting. That's really about No, he's got he can he can defend. He's been a, he's been a good outfielder in the past. So I mean, you know, he hasn't really ever played the outfield.
0: We play of course he has. He's played 7 games in the big leagues in the outfield.
3: Right. Don't you remember those 7? Not Never really. A lot of ground. He played it in Japan. Okay, well that was years ago.
0: I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't see 500 million, but Well, we'll
3: bet. We'll bet on it. I just I don't know where gets, that
0: would come from.
3: I bet he gets uh, 500 million because of his marketability. Uh Again, you're paying for more than just the performance
0: on the field. Well, I would say he gets $500 million because his price gets driven up by all the teams that will be interested. Because they want that marketability.
3: They yeah, but want... how's that going for the Angels? I mean, I guess in some ways it's... Well, it's kept them afloat. I mean, they've got nothing. They've had the two best players on the planet now for three or four years and they've had Mike Trout before that and they haven't smelled the playoffs. But I guarantee you that franchise is making money hand over fists.
0: Well every franchise should because be because of those money.
3: two players. Well even more so. Those are the two most valuable money players in the game today. And sure so they they is. is. I wouldn't say Trout. Ah trout's still there. Trout is the least
0: marketable guy. He doesn't put himself out there whatsoever. Yeah but he's still Mike Trout. He's he's
3: great. That'll that be a what? If, what? What? There's a ton of merchandise. You get a kid going to Shields, I guarantee you. Right out here at any any sporting goods store in Wichita, Kansas, or any sporting goods store in the country, they've got Mike Trout for you. Well,
0: I'm going to look up. Uh, no, you don't need Jersey. to look anything up. Well, you're just popping off.
3: I'm, but I'm giving you facts.
0: You're not giving me facts. You're giving me uh, strictly opinions.
3: Here's uh, what we have on tap on the show today. Big 12 football previews continue at 225. Matt Marshall from the Orlando Sentinel will preview the Central Florida Knights, uh, one of the new members of the Big 12. At uh, 245, Travis Hines from uh, the Ames Tribune and the Des Moines Register. Uh, will will join us to talk Iowa State football. Uh, Travis has been on the show a few times, so we look forward to catching up with him. And then uh, in hour number two, we'll have a Bob and Jeff draft all-time quarterbacks. That's it? Yeah, that's going to be it. That'll be very interesting to see who's number one. Well, I'm going to let you go first. Well, then you'll take... Well, what if I win the coin flip? I know exactly how this should go. As do I. Number one will take mm-hmm. And number two will take mm-hmm, 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 and that'll and that'll uh that'll create the uh the wave for that particular draft. There's three obvious ones, and those three will be gulped up quickly. You would think.
0: So maybe it's best for me to lose the coin toss. Well, you can't control
3: whether you and lose the allow coin you toss. to go first. If I win the coin toss, I'll I'll tell you to go first. But, uh, okay.
0: I'll probably get
3: my... But you'll, but you'll use your little PR thing. Oh, I know how Twitter will vote. If of I, course. If I take... <laughs> then, well, I know how Max will vote, too, if I take... <laughs> but if you don't, if you take... <laughs> Then you know, maybe who knows? But then, I, if you take home Brady, then I get and well, you don't not necessarily. Somebody might sneak in with you. You know what that'd I'm saying? Be, that'd be dumb. Well, I mean, it's it's potentially could happen. Those are your top four. What if I get
0: <laughs> uh-huh. and well, you won't. And I have to make max vote on that. Well, you won't get both of them. But you'll take drum and anyway.
3: No, I'll take in uh, your first
0: round after I've taken. You know, <laughs> there have been
3: there have been two all time number one quarterbacks. Now, if you go before Joe Montana, I don't know who you would have said it was before Joe Montana. Uh you'd have to I'd have to go back and look. Tarkenton, maybe? Unitas? Probably Unitas. Uh, you'd probably say Unitas was the all-time great quarterback. Then Montana overtook him. Then Brady overtook Montana. And now uh-huh, uh-huh, is on the cusp, potentially, of inserting himself into that conversation. Uh, Do you think he's in the conversation? Or are we I think so overwhelming in the number of rings uh that he's not quite yet there. But one more ring then I think is potentially a guy you talk about.
0: Well I know one guy. Not to guy, give
3: you any ideas on who to pick. I know one guy I'm not
0: taking. Who's, well
3: I, I wouldn't expect you to take Aaron Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Oh, good. Why would you? That's a good it, question. I, I never, for a second thought. But I'll guarantee you, he'll be one of the sixteen quarterbacks picked. Well, that t- guy will hopefully lose. Whoever takes well, him, I'm not looking at whether I like him or whether I get. A, you know, I, I care about their personality. I'm looking at the all-time great quarterback. That's good. Now, I'm the one who falls into that category for me that I just can't stand. So I probably wouldn't take him, even if, uh, even if I should. Is right, sure. So, I mean, I, that's a guy I can't stand. Well, nobody can
0: stand after all that he's been through in his life.
3: Uh, but I, I certainly have none of that animosity uh, to that degree. For do you think my friend Zach's favorite quarterback, Ronald Cunningham, will get selected?
0: Ronald Cunningham,
3: Randall Cunningham, yeah. No way he gets selected in the top sixteen. My
0: friend Zach thinks he's better than Steve Young.
3: <laughs> well, that's crazy. It is. Steve Young uh, will get selected, uh, in my opinion. Probably. So I, I would love to have Steve Young. But we'll we, get to we that. All would. We'll get to that coming up uh in a Maybe little more draft than an 10 hour. Each. Who? Maybe we should draft ten each instead of eight. We can do ten. I you know, no, no real, no real tried and true rules for this. You just do what you want. I think so. Although eight's kind of been the number. I hear you. I think you. it forces you to be more discriminatory. That's what we'll stick with eight.
0: But I just gonna made be,
3: that decision. Eight's going to be too even.
0: Well, that's too bad. And and we know Max, whoever gets, <laughs> will not get his vote. Well,
3: Max Max will have to to not be that biased. But he will. You just know he will. What if? What if you got both uh, Holmes and Tom? Right? That's why I just asked the other. Yeah, but is... that seems impossible to me. Doesn't seem like it would be. No. Now, know. a really gutsy pick would be to take Fontana with that first pick, and leave the other person with. And then that that, that next person, man. Then Max would be. Would have to thank.
0: Well, I assume he likes Tom Brady
3: more than he hates Patrick Mahomes. I sh-
0: I sure hope so, anyway.
3: Well, my wife, uh, who's the biggest Tom Brady fan in the world, uh, but also really admires Joe Montana, and uh, so I mean, you know, people have their favorites. Well, if you my don't... personal favorite quarterback, and I wonder if this guy will get chosen. My all-time favorite quarterback, I love Montana, no question. I know who it is. I respect Brady, but my all-time favorite is Kurt Warner.
0: Kurt Warner.
3: Yeah, and I wonder if he'll get picked. Mm, I mean, maybe he will. He He is in the Hall of Fame. You know, I was as crazy about those teams, the Rams, when they had Warner and all that greatest show on turf stuff, I was as wild about them as I as I ever was about. Well, everybody a loved
0: everybody loved that team.
3: But I mean, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to watch them. Right? They, they were they were just incredible, and what he could do, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Loved him, absolutely. Greatest story maybe in the history of the NFL. We've Certainly had his right son uh, Cade on. I'm going to make every attempt to get Kurt Warner on the show. Okay. What will my wife do when that happens? Well, I'm sure she'll listen in. What if we could get him in studio? What if I could get him to come to my house?
0: I doubt that's going to be in the cards, but you never know.
3: Well, you can, you don't know unless you ask. Well, let's just start with getting him on the, the show. I uh, wanted to mention the passing of Terry Funk, uh, wrestling, of res- professional wrestling fame. Uh, that caught me by surprise because, again, that goes back to my younger days uh, when Terry Funk was uh, omnipresent in the territories, uh, wrestling, coming here, wrestling against my favorite, Handsome Harley Race. I even uh, looked on YouTube last night to find uh, Funk versus Race. I also found a match on YouTube. Uh, Harley race against bulldog, Bob Brown. How'd that that go? Oh, it was hilarious to watch. Harley race was just so good. He could sell anything and watching bulldog. It it just reminded me why I liked him so much as a kid. Uh, you you have to watch that sometime. I mean, it's old days wrestling. I think this was from the very early eighties. Uh, which is, they were both veterans at at that time for sure.
0: I have an app on my TV. I haven't used it in a long time, so I don't know if it still works. You just start the app, and it'll show you a random wrestling match. You might get something from an obscure promotion in the '60s. You might get something from the '80s or not. It's just you have no idea what's well, going to come up. have to see if that works. I will have to check that out again.
3: All right, time to take a break. When we come back, we will talk Central Florida football. Matt Marshall from the Orlando Sentinel, Sentinel is our guest next. The Bob and Jeff Show, KFA.
2: This is The Bob and Jeff Show on 97.5 and 1240 KFH.
3: Ups and downs, the musical theme of the week. This is Going Up, The Country from Canned Heat. Matt Marshall joins us from the Orlando Sentinel. We're going to talk some Central Florida football, of course. Central Florida, brand new to the Big Twelve. Uh, welcome to the show, Matt. Well, thanks
4: for having me. I appreciate it.
3: Yeah, we uh, we obviously are looking forward to this uh, revamped Big Twelve. It'll be revamped again next year, and who knows about after that. But <laughs> but for now, how's it feel? How does Central Florida feel about this uh, new membership in this conference?
4: Well, they're, they're definitely excited. This is something that's been kind of on everyone's radar for, for quite some time. You know, UCF wanted to to make the move back in 2013, you know, petitioning to the Big 12 at that point, you know, for, for membership. It didn't work out. But, you know, they've always kind of had this affinity for the Big 12. And so when it came down a couple of years ago that the, the invitation was going to come out, you know, I think the, the program, the school, the fan base, Everyone was just, you know, over the moon, you know, and I think this—they feel like this is the right time for this program to make this move, to get into a power conference, and 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 to make a big statement. You know, this is a this is a school that's got over eighty eight thousand students, you know, so it's it's a huge it's a huge school has a lot of young fan base that's very active on social media, and they feel like they could be a huge plus to the, to the Big Twelve.
0: Yeah, so. Central Florida, obviously an extremely successful program, uh, pretty much good for nine or more wins just about every year. If this season, though, by itself is a, is a step back, they've got K-State, Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech on the schedule. If this is a little bit of a step back, how big could the step forward be in this program's future with the, with the resources and stability of the Big 12?
4: Well, I think it's going to be huge. I mean, and I don't know how much of a step back this is going to be. I mean, listen, they this is one of the most experienced uh, you know teams in, in the country with with Gus Malzahn bringing back a lot of his uh, starters. Uh, you know, he's got you know John Rice Plumley coming back. You know, you look at some of the other the key figures on, on their offense, and then you know, recruiting wise, well, since they made the move to the Big Twelve, the recruiting has done you know uh, some of the best in the program history. They've got the number twenty five recruiting class, I think it was the other day. Coming in in 2024, so far committed uh, a lot of four stars, seven, eight, four stars on the on the on that recruiting class committed. Um, so this is something that that has they've been able to kind of take advantage of with that with having the brand name of the Big 12 behind them. And then you know you look at the the facilities, you know they'll get a, a big bump obviously financially from from making the move from the American to the Big 12. And eventually when they get their full share, starting in I think it's 20 uh, 2026. You no, know, I think that's going to help them out as well, get their, you know, athletic department up to speed up to the other, you know, Big 12 schools.
3: Matt, how do you pronounce your last name? I want to be sure I get it right because I have a last name that's been mispronounced most of my life, so I can uh, <clears throat> empathize with that.
4: You know, my, my last name is Marcelle. Uh, I've heard it lots of different ways growing up. So uh, I understand exactly what you're going through.
3: Matt Mershell from the Orlando Sentinel joining us. Uh, so this offense uh, looks pretty high-powered with a veteran quarterback, as you as you mentioned. Uh, what do you expect uh, from the Knights' offense?
4: I think this is a this is going to be an interesting year for them because you know, it was the first year that Gus Malzahn is stepping away from play-calling duties. He brought in um, Darren Henshaw, former UCF quarterback. Uh, to run the offense, and he's going to be the, pretty much primarily the play caller. And, you know, what, what Darren wants to do with this offense is he wants to throw the football deep. He wants to push the push the, the ball downfield, making sure that – and use a, an array of, of different players to kind of maybe help that offense be versatile. You know, so it starts with John Rice Plumley, and, and Plumley's really worked in the off season to be a better quarterback. Um, you know, they don't want him to run nearly as much as he did last year. He led the team in rushing, but he was also banged up a lot. They feel like they want him to kind of be more of a pocket passer in some regards. Uh, he's got lots of weapons around him. He's got talented receivers, Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson, Xavier Townsend. He's got running backs, a, a stable of running backs, five guys who have different different varieties led by R.J. Harvey. He's got an offensive line that's probably the deepest it's been since Gus Malzahn took over in 2021. So, you know, they've got a lot of versatility. They feel like they're going to be able to score a lot of points. Um, and I think that's going to be what they're going to need to do in in the Big 12. We know the Big 12 is a conference that's based on offense, um, and it's something they're going to have to be able to do. I think they'll do it well this year. Yeah, so
0: what – uh, the Central Florida job is it, in the recent past, kind of been used uh, as a little bit of a stepping stone. Gus Malzahn kind of went the other direction, coming uh, from Auburn. What is what is again the Big 12 kind of mean to not only his future but even you know the the type of coaches Central uh, Florida might attract in the future? First of all, do you think Gus Gus Malzahn is kind of the long-term guy there?
4: Yeah, I think so. You know, just talking to, to Gus the other day, you know, I asked him what he thought about his future here. And, you know, he said he wants to win a national championship. You know, he, he believes this is they could do that at, at UCF. And he believes that, you know, he's, he's energized, he's excited. Well, I think when he first got here in 2021, you know, he was coming off a really bad, you know, a bad year at, at Auburn. You know, he got fired. He spent about eight weeks at home. He talked about maybe getting into TV, taking a year off, and then maybe looking for another job. But when this UCF job opened up, and he was offered to it by Terry Mahajo the athletic director, he jumped at the chance. He felt like this was an opportunity to go to a program that was up and coming, had a big fan base, and you know, was going to someday be in a Power 5 conference. He didn't know it was going to be the Big 12, but he felt like all the pieces were there that fit. And it's in a talent-rich state like Florida where you can recruit really well. So all these things kind of work together. And since he's been here, he's just seems energized. You know, This is like a second – a second chapter for Gus Malzahn in his coaching career. And he's been able to take advantage of it so far. And he feels like he's going to be there for quite some time. And I think even down the road when, you know, maybe he's gone, I think this is a, a very attractive job for a lot of coaches and for a lot of people who want to go to a place that has the resources, has the talent, you know, and, and a wonderful, you know, what is it, a tourist destination type, you know, uh, a venue. So I, I think this is, a, this is something that can go long term.
3: Matt Merchell, beat writer for Central Florida for the Orlando Sentinel. So now with an unbalanced schedule for football in this conference, we really pay even closer attention to who plays who. Uh, Central Florida has a really tough uh, first four games in the Big 12 at K-State, home against Baylor, at Kansas, which we expect to be one of those middle-of-the-pack teams, and then at Oklahoma. Uh, How important is it for Central Florida to at least go two and two in those games.
4: I think it's going to be important for them, you know, and, and this is going to be something that, uh, that Gus Malzahn has talked about is, you know, they, they are on the road six times this year and, and they know that it's going to be difficult. And one of the things they've worked on on fall camp is they look, they're working on, you know those close games, those one score games, because you know they did some research in the off season and they found that the big the Big Twelve had a lot of close games last year. I think it's I think I went did the research. It's twenty eight games last year came down to uh, you know were decided by seven points or less. So Gus said, listen, we got we got to be able to win those close games, because that's the way the, kind of the Big Twelve has been over the last couple of years, and on the road that's going to be even more important. You know, they're going into some really hostile environments. Kansas State, as you mentioned, Kansas, Oklahoma, those are hostile environments, and they got to go in there and find a way to win some games. So if they can maybe flip the script here and there and, and, and find a way to, to, to get a win, you know, whether it's at Oklahoma or, or, or Kansas State, I think that would be huge for them. You know, I mean, they, they feel like, you know, they can, if they can show strong on the road, that's going to help what they need to do this year.
0: I'm curious just what, what you think the, the offense will look like. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but with so uh, many solid running backs, a, a running quarterback, an offensive coordinator that, uh, that emphasizes the run game and was there at UAB last year when theirs was really good, is that going to be kind of the bread and butter of the UCF offense?
4: Well, I think they'll run the football and they'll rely on the play action, but I expect them to throw a little bit more. I expect them to, to, to really kind of push the field, you know, push the ball down the field. You know, Darren Henshaw told me, you know, they, want, they don't want to just sit back and, and you know, accept the fact that, that you know, John Rice-Palmy is going to have to run the football and carry the basically the offense on his the shoulders. They want him to get the ball downfield to his talented receivers, open up to stretch the defense a little bit, make things a little difficult on the defenses as well. I think they're going to mix things up. The running backs they have are, you know, RJ Harvey's a, a big back who can kind of carry the load, so to speak, but they've got explosive guys like Johnny Richardson who can really break off big runs here or there. Um, they've got bruiser type, you know, one, two, three yard type guys who can do some things. And then also they've got talented tight ends. You know, Alec Holler is a guy who was an all conference last year in the, in the American. He's a guy that can step in and make plays, whether it's blocking on the line or. Or moving over to the slot position, he's gonna be the help give them some options. So I expect John Rice to kind of mix it up a little bit. And I had Gus on tell me on Monday, they don't want you know John Rice Plumley to be the leading rusher on this team if they can help it. They want that to fall on the running backs. They want John Rice Plumley to basically become a, a, a much more better quarterback. But that doesn't mean they don't want him not to run. They don't want to put a handcuff on him. They just want to make sure he's smarter about how he does it.
3: Final moments here with Matt Merchell from the Orlando Sentinel. We're previewing Central Florida football, but I'm going to step away from football and ask you about basketball. While I agree with you that I think Central Florida is going to be a mainstay and a big player in football in this conference for years to come, I'm not as sure about men's basketball. Convince me that that's going to be the case.
4: Well, I, I think for basketball, it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit more time than football. I think there could you can have more immediate success with football than men's basketball. And I just think that's because, you know, once Johnny Dawkins, you know, you know, gets this program into the Big Twelve, they're gonna have to recruit really well, and they're gonna have to use the portal really well. I mean, basketball, you can flip a roster and one off season with a transfer portal. We've seen it time and time again so far. So, you know, if, if he can get some guys to commit there because of the Big 12, it's it, it's going to help them out for sure. But it's going to be a difficult challenge. I mean, you know, we, you look at this conference, this has been the top basketball conference over the last two or three years. And then you add, you know, some really powerful basketball programs in Houston. You know, you're bringing in Cincinnati, which has had its success at, at, at points. Um, then you're going to bring in other programs like, you know, uh, uh, Arizona and Arizona State and Utah and Colorado. I mean, not all have been successful in the basketball court, but I think they're also going to make things a little bit more difficult. So there's going to be a challenge there for sure. And I think, you know, again, as you get more resources, as you get more financial resources, I think that's only going to help when it comes to the collectives and NIL and things like that. I think that's going to also help attract some talent. So there are going to be players who want to play for a team because they're going to be seen on national TV every, you know, Wednesday or Friday or Saturday night. And they want to be a part of that and try to make a run at the the national championship.
3: Certainly no shortage of resources at Central Florida. That we can agree on for sure. Matt, we really appreciate your time. We hope to talk with you soon.
4: All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, guys.
3: You bet. Matt Merchell from the Orlando Sentinel. As we uh, get some insight into some of the new members of the Big 12, I'm enjoying it. UCF uh, should be a powerhouse uh, pretty soon. I would imagine, or at least be
0: able to. Uh... Well, they have been a powerhouse. Yeah, but they've also they've been, been a powerhouse. A little bit up. The,
3: that up went and down. That went thirteen and zero and couldn't work their way into the national championship. Well, that will game. that will not be the case. The next time they go thirteen and zero, they'll be in the playoffs. Exactly. I don't know about the national championship game, but uh, with the playoffs expanding, uh, they'll certainly be a, a a a force. UCF will
0: be in the CFP um in the next four years
3: ah whatever i'll be uh i'll be nipping on the uh, applesauce at so that time. really you hope that yeah applesauce is good you hope that i'm in some home i didn't say that well that's the only way i'm gonna nip on applesauce you won't just eat applesauce be- no i don't eat applesauce a- i to. like applesauce but i don't nip on it i get a spoon and i d- dive in well, go after but, i mean if you're nipping on applesauce you're in a place where you don't want to be Maybe. Mr. Lutz, would you nip some of the... I mean, I don't don't want to be there. It's way too soon to start thinking like that. All right. Going by Travis Hines, beat writer, covers the Iowa State Cyclones, and we're going to preview the Cyclones right now. Travis, welcome. How are you?
5: I'm doing well. How are you?
3: We're doing well. We appreciate it. We have 14 previews now with the Big 12, so we're going through them.
5: Yeah, it is a uh, super sized league at the moment, isn't it?
3: <laughs> so, where is Matt Campbell at the moment? This is a guy who obviously uh, has had uh, very good ups, a uh, couple of downs. Where is he nationally at this at this point in time after a four and eight season in twenty twenty two?
5: Well, I think. He went from being one of the the hottest names in coaching circles to being a little bit of a forgotten man because not only four and eight last year, but in 2021 they returned everybody from that Fiesta Bowl championship team and went seven and six. You know, and I think there's reasons for both those years in 21 and 22. Uh, but when you are you know being mentioned for the high level jobs and then your production in terms of wins and losses. Uh, takes a hit I think suddenly people kind of forget that uh, what everything you achieved and then you add in this gambling situation that Iowa and Iowa State are both dealing with and it's not exactly a uh, a great spot for the football program to be in at the moment but I do feel like they're confident that they're on the right path to getting back to where they were just three years ago but certainly uh, starting a little bit behind the eight ball this season.
0: Is, is that is the gambling thing, is that going to be something that kind of hovers over the entire season? Will it be largely ignored once the season begins? And, and exactly what kind of is the latest on that?
5: We don't really know exactly how long or how much this is going to linger. All we know is that there have been criminal complaints that have been filed against both Iowa State and Iowa players for Iowa State, it's been five starters, uh, four of whom are probably looking at uh, significant season-long suspensions. A few of them have actually already left the team, and Jirel Brock uh, and Isaiah Lee. Uh, But a guy like Jake Remsburg, who was their starting right tackle last year, is probably looking at something more like a half-season suspension, uh, given that he didn't bet on Iowa State games, allegedly. Uh, But guys like the starting tight end, Deshaun Hanika, allegedly bet on Iowa State basketball. Starting quarterback Hunter Decker allegedly bet on Iowa State football. You know, it's going to be hard for those guys, in my opinion, to see the field this year. But we're also hearing that it's an ongoing investigation. So we don't know if more names are going to emerge. We don't know if there are more names involved that may not be seeing criminal liability or exposure, but could have exposure to NCAA sanctions. We saw that on the Iowa side already. So, it may linger. I think the bulk of the damage has likely been done, but this thing has kind of reared its head up a, in surprising ways a number of times. So I, I wouldn't rule anything out. Uh, but it, it's hard to imagine losing five starters to this that it, it's going to get much worse. But, you know, it could theoretically.
3: Travis Sines, our guest, covers Iowa State for the Ames Tribune and the Des Moines Register, correct? Am I right about that? Correct. Okay. So you mentioned some names there and some really influential names, especially on this offense. Where does Iowa State go if they don't have Hunter Deckers uh, and they don't have Jarrell Brock?
5: You know at the quarterback position without Deckers, it's really down to, to two players. Rocco Beck, who was Deckers' backup a year ago as a former three star kid out of Florida. I think they like his intangibles, his ability to keep a play alive. Uh, not the biggest arm strength or biggest uh, physical presence at six foot one, but I think they like a lot of the things that he brings to the table. And maybe the long-term answer is J.J. Cole, who was a four-star uh, recruit out of Ankeny High School, which is just about 20 minutes south of Ames. Six-seven, two-fifty, big arm, highly recruited, top 10 nationally at the quarterback position. You know, if it's not his job this year, you know, certainly you're going to be looking at that. For next year or you know, maybe even mid-season if Beck is not able to get things done. The way I would handicap it right now that Beck would be at the, uh, the front of the line, but J.J. Cole certainly is the guy I think that they would ultimately want uh, for the future and the long term at that position. Uh, but two very unproven, very young guys, and I think when you look at the running back position, Iowa State's going to feel a lot better about that because they have some depth, because they have some guys that have played Cartavius Norton is the name that I would highlight as a guy who showed a lot of electricity at times last year, but more often than not was on the sideline with an injury. He says he's healthy this year and ready to play come week one, and he's a guy I think that could be, you know, maybe not quite at that Brees Hall David Montgomery level. You know, we're talking about you know NFL production, but certainly a guy that could be a very impactful Big Twelve running back, and they've got three or four guys behind him. That they're pretty confident can be contributors. So I think Jairal Brock losing him is a is a hit. He's your starting running back, but that they have the depth and the talent at that position where you're probably feeling a lot more confident there than you are at quarterback. Where
0: does the the new look Big 12 leave Iowa State? We know you know that's still quote unquote a small market, but now that you're adding Houston and. Orlando and Cincinnati as markets to that conference. Does that change their situation at all? Does that make it more difficult uh, to keep up with with those types of, of bigger schools?
5: Time will tell. I think if you asked Iowa State administration, they would look at it as an opportunity because you're losing, you know, two of the biggest athletic departments in the country in Texas and Oklahoma, where the disparity in terms of revenue between them and Iowa State is so significant. And I think when you look at the bigger markets like a UCF or a Houston, they may have the ability down the line to get you know, well past Iowa State in terms of revenue, but I think Iowa State has the, the leg up now, and I think they're trying to do their best to use this opportunity of what looks like a more level playing field, at least in terms of resources, to establish themselves, you know, in, in the, the league hierarchy, the challenge will be to sustain that. And I think for Iowa State, maybe even the bigger challenge is in the NIL space where they do have a rabid fan base that's just not huge and not known for big contributions. I think when you look at in terms of booster support for the, the 10 schools, the the legacy 10 schools in the Big 12, Iowa State historically ranks towards the bottom. Um, I think their big push will have to be to change that, especially in a world where NIL is going to be critical to their ability to get talent and keep talent on the campus.
3: Talking, though, with Travis Hines, he covers the Iowa State Cyclones for the Des Moines Register and the Ames Tribune. Uh, with uh, We recently, just a few minutes ago, talked with Matt Michelle from the Orlando Sentinel. Uh, schedule now means so much more because it's not balanced in this conference, so who you play and where you play them has extra meaning, and I can't I can't fathom that anyone has a tougher Big 12 schedule than Iowa State.
5: Yeah, it's not super favorable, you know, to having to go to Cincinnati, having to go to BYU with the newcomers, and then, you know, really it's difficult off the jump, too, in terms of the non-con, at least comparatively to I think if you had a a coach make their dream schedule, it would not include playing Northern Iowa at home, a team and a program that's beaten Iowa State frequently over the last 20 years. Then you've got the rivalry game against Iowa, and then you've got a road game at Ohio in week three. So September is not a cakewalk for an Iowa State team that's going to be having a lot of new faces and a lot of critical positions. And then you get into that Big 12 schedule and obviously – nothing is going to be easy there so that's again a a piece of this puzzle for iowa state trying to climb out of that four and eight hole you've got a lot of new starters both by attrition and by the gambling situation and then a pretty unforgiving schedule and so again it's going to be difficult though not impossible for them to take a step in the right direction this season
3: and this this is a program that's really hung its hat on its defense uh, even with even with a very high powered offense at times, but. The defense has always been reliable. Uh, do you expect that to be the case again? And I say reliable outside of the 62 that TCU hung on them in the final game of last year. But you expect the defense to be good again this year?
5: Yeah. I mean, I think there's probably more question marks on the defense than there has been in some time. But their secondary should be lights out with everybody back from a year ago a likely NFL draft pick and cornerback TJ Tampa. They've got some depth, including a fifth- or sixth-year guy in Gary Vaughn at linebacker. The question is going to be up front because they're replacing all three starters, including a first-round pick in Will McDonald, another guy that was in NFL camp as of a couple of weeks ago, and MJ Anderson on the other end, and then Isaiah Lee, they're not starting nose tackle from a year ago, left the team after being charged as part of the, the gambling probe. And that'll be the big question is do they have guys – that can fill in up front because it really does start for them in the middle at that nose guard position, it goes out to the ends, and then those linebackers, they're asked to do a lot in John Haycock's defense. But I think if you're Iowa State and you look at a seven-year track record, you know, really taking out that first season when everything was new back in 2016, the defense has been fantastic no matter who the names on the depth chart is. So I, if, if you're an Iowa state fan, I think you have a little leeriness about that front uh, sticks. But when you look at what's been going on at Iowa state over the last seven years, at John, with John Haycock and the defensive line coach, Eli Rashid, I think you probably feel if you're going to have, anybody's going to get the benefit of the doubt. It's going to be those guys.
3: All right, Matt, good stuff. We appreciate your time and uh, breaking down Iowa state. Certainly. A dark cloud hanging over the football program right now. We'll see uh, what happens here in the next week or so. Thank you for your time.
5: Yep, appreciate you having me.
0: Thanks.
3: All right, Travis Hines from the Ames Tribune and the Des Moines Register. Yeah, jack of all trades
0: or two newspapers or something like that.
3: Yeah, covers covers for both of them. Good for him. They're owned by the same company. Makes a lot of sense. That's how it works in today's golden age of newspapers uh we'll be back hour number two we'll do a bob and jeff draft when we return hope you'll stay with us
2: we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio